not, you might have trouble believing this, I, I usually try not to look too foolish. I, don't tell me whether I'm succeeding or not, uh, because I tend to think that uh, maybe I'm not. But, but I, I, I mean, there's part of me that cares what other people think, and, and uh, I don't want to be labeled as a fool. I think that's true for most of us. We, uh, we don't want to be seen as foolish. And a lot of times, what is considered foolish uh, changes depending on different demographics or different cultures or even different, different times, uh, different uh, seasons of history and seasons of life. Things are considered wise in one culture that may not make any sense in another culture. Certain decisions or lifestyle choices may be held in high esteem in one place and, and not even thought about in, in another. But in the book of Proverbs, King Solomon lays out principles of wisdom that have stood the test of time and culture. In order to be wise in God's eyes, we can follow the principles written in this book of wisdom. And maybe that's the thing. Uh, In whose eyes is something wise? Proverbs actually references that several times, uh, and and it tells us that we should be careful not to be wise in our own eyes. Just a couple of examples, Proverbs 3, 7 says, do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil. And and 26, 12 says, do you see a person wise in their own eyes? There's more help for a fool than for them. Being wise in your own eyes means that you're evaluating your life and decisions based on how you feel and what you think is right. Right? And then you call that wisdom. I feel good about this, and I think it's right, so therefore I'm wise, right? Uh, I'm wise, at least in my own eyes. Uh, and it, it may seem, it seems like a, a lot of people, I think, are, uh, that, that's going around a lot these days. Uh, we evaluate what we do based on what we think will make us happy. And if we feel good about it, then we'll go ahead and do it. Solomon says that's worse than being a fool. It says it's better, more hope for a fool than for someone who is wise in their own eyes. The alternative to being wise in your own eyes is to be wise in God's eyes, right? Uh, Living by uh, true wisdom in Scripture, not just being short-sighted, limited, and and this this changing way of seeing based on my own emotions and things. Uh, A couple weeks ago, we we, we learned about that we need to lean hard on God, right? And, And don't rely on our own understanding or how we see things. Uh, relying on ourselves is, uh, uh, is foolish and calling that wisdom, that, that's foolish. It, it actually, uh, it's actually pretty arrogant, right? Uh, because I'm in charge and I must know what's best and, and the root of being wise in our own eyes is actually pride. Kind of like the story uh, that, that I read this week of, of the arrogant, prideful lion who wanted to remind the other animals how great he was. And so he went up to the gazelle and, and he roared, who is king of the jungle? And the gazelle was scared to death and said, why, you are mighty lion. And then he went up to the giraffe and said, who is king of the jungle? And the giraffe said, why, you are mighty lion. He, he went up and surprised the monkeys up in the trees and, and said, who is king of the jungle? And they, they were startled and, and looked down and said, you are mighty lion. And then he went up to the elephant and he said, who is king of the jungle? And the elephant reached out and grabbed the lion by his trunk and slammed him into the ground several times and then threw him across the way into a boulder. And as the lion was getting his bearings, he said to the elephant, Just because you don't know the answer doesn't mean you have to take it personally. That lion uh, was wise in his own eyes. He thought he had everything uh, under control. Pride was his downfall. Pride is is pervasive. I heard in in Sunday school years ago that that, uh, uh, if you spell the word sin, 
I is right in the middle, right? This, this, this uh, sin of pride really is the root or the center of virtually every sin. Self-centered pride is, is at the root of sin, doing I want what I want instead of what God wants. And Proverbs has some pretty tough things to say about those who are proud and instead promotes humility over and over again. I want to look at a, a few of those uh, as examples today. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes... Then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. 16.5, the Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this, they will not go unpunished. 16.18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. 18.12, before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. And there, there are many more that just gives you a flavor of, of what Proverbs says about pride and humility. God hates pride. It, it brings destruction. Being humble, on the other hand, brings honor, and God loves it. And getting this right seems to be a pretty big deal. In fact, uh, uh, St. Augustine, uh, so many years ago, uh, uh, said this, should you ask me what is the first thing in religion, I should reply, the first, second, and third thing therein is humility. Andrew Murray referred to humility as, quote, the cardinal virtue, the only root from which the graces can grow, the one indispensable condition of true fellowship with God. Early American preacher and theologian Jonathan Edwards put it this way, nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility. Humility is such a big deal because pride is so destructive. We all know someone who, who seems to be full of themselves, right? No one wants to be around that guy, the me monster that he was talking about there in the video. Except maybe, maybe we're all guilty of being that guy at some point. Someone once said, pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone, else, everyone sick except the one who has it. Pride can, can look like being conceited or stuck up, but it shows up in other ways too. Just a, a few of those today. Many, many times pride shows up as comparison. I compare what I have with what you have. I, I can feel better about what I have if I put yours down, right? Uh, or I, I brag about my accomplishments as being better than yours, maybe like, the, like what we saw in the video a minute ago. Or, or like the Texas rancher who met a, met a Wisconsin dairy farmer. And the two began talking about what they had in common and, and uh, their, their farms and, and how it all worked. And, and the, the dairy farmer told the, the cattleman from Texas, he said that he has his dairy farm on 125 acres of land. And the Texan kind of laughed and said, well, that's pretty small. He said, I can, I, 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 on my ranch, I can get in my truck at sunrise and I won't reach the fence line of my property until sunset. And the dairy farmer snorted and said, yeah, I used to have a truck like that. <laughs> Pride compares, right? I've got to put myself higher than the people around me. Humility, however, celebrates others' accomplishments, celebrates successes, even when they're not our own. Pride uh, can look like comparison, Pride can also be seen when we're closed off to other people's perspectives. I'm not open to what other people might be uh, looking at or coming, where they're coming from. We only see things from our point of view. I, I, I'm, 
we never see this on social media, right? Uh, with, uh, and I love the people that post something and then they say, feel free to comment, but not if you disagree with me, right? Don't, uh, don't, don't do that. Uh, it, pride often says, you can look at it that way, but you'd be wrong, right? Uh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's my perspective and you're not gonna change me and I'm right and you're not. Humility listens and is open to hearing where someone else is coming from. Maybe you're not gonna go over to that point of view, but, but you're open to, to a different perspective. Pride is closed to those perspectives. Another, another way that pride can look a lot of times in our lives is complaining, when we complain, we're essentially saying that we don't deserve things to be this way or we know how things should have been done a whole lot better and doggone it, why didn't they fill in the blank? Maybe, maybe you did deserve better treatment, but, but there are ways to be constructive without being critical, right? And that takes humility, I guess pride always lifts me up as the authority, as most important, at the expense of other people. And that's why it's, it's such a big deal, because, because we can't truly follow Jesus if our pride is always getting in the way. You know, as I'm thinking about it, most of what we, what we do uh, as we practice our faith... Uh, as we gather on a Sunday, either in this room or online, as, as we gather together, uh, we can't really do that, really do it, without humility. It, it, it's not just what we do here on Sunday. We can't truly live out our faith day to day without being humble. I mean, without humility, I can't worship. I, I can sing songs and, and, and without humility, but I can't worship. Worship is more than just singing a few, I mean, we, we have songs that's part of what we do in our culture and, and in these days, it's, it's part of how we give voice to what's in our hearts, but, but worship is, is so much more than just a, a set of songs. Worship is acknowledging that God is God and I am not, it's celebrating who God is and, and what he has done and it's gratitude and love and submission, doing everything for his glory, it's pointed to him and, and not at me at all. I, I can't do that without humility, Right? Without humility, I can't worship. Without humility, I, I can't pray. I mean, why would I present my request to God if I figured I probably had things figured out already on my own, right? Why would, why would I pray? It takes humility to bow before someone, to bow before God and to acknowledge that he is God and he has the answers and, and I don't have the answers and I need him. Without humility, I can't pray. People, uh, proud people don't pray, <laughs> Real prayer takes humility. Without humility, I can't confess. I mean, confession means admit, admitting that I was wrong. I'm sorry. Some people have difficulty admitting they were wrong, right? Uh, confession is admitting failure, right? Asking for forgiveness. It's putting yourself uh, at, the, at the mercy of someone, literally at their mercy, it's one of the most humble things that we can do, and without humility, I can't confess. And without humility, I can't forgive. Uh, not only can we not ask for forgiveness without humility, but we can't grant it either. Pride holds on to past wrongs, right? Pride demands justice. It takes humility to extend forgiveness and grace. Without humility, I won't serve. Pride wants to be served. Humility puts others and their needs ahead of our own. 
Jesus' whole purpose on earth was to serve. Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man, Jesus talking about himself, did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We cannot truly follow God. Those are just a few examples. We can't truly follow God uh, living for Jesus, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide our lives without humility, without acknowledging that God is God and I am not and we need him. Uh, We can practice religion and still be full of pride. People have done that for centuries. (laughs) We can walk through the motions and look good on the outside and and all those sorts of things. But but to truly follow Jesus and live for him, it starts with humility. Humility is is involved in in, in what it means to fear the Lord, like we talked about a few weeks ago. Uh, Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And and then in in Proverbs 22.4, we we saw a minute ago, humility is the fear of the Lord. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all this, to get wisdom, to, to understand how God wants us to live. That's the fear of the Lord. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's humility. Humility is the fear of the Lord. You will not follow God. You will not honor and revere him without humbly submitting to his leadership for your life. Humility means that you are no longer in charge, but God is. It's not about you. Following God is the only wise way to live. Wise in God's eyes, not in our eyes. But, but being humble, I mean, humility, I mean, it seems kind of soft, right? I, I mean, is humility cool? I don't know. Uh, it doesn't sound like it's the coolest thing in the world, right? It, it seems weak to be humble, to give to others, to not stand up for yourself. Is that what we're talking about here? I, I think we need a renewed vision of what godly humility really looks like. I'm pretty sure that we have a skewed view of what it means to be humble. And the best picture... That, that I know to look at uh, for, to find out what humility looks like is to look at Jesus. We see it over and over again through the Gospels as he, as he served others and, and he endured suffering and he washed feet and he submitted to the cross. The best summary of Jesus' humility uh, can be found in, in, uh, in an ancient hymn that Paul quoted in, in Philippians 2. So every indication is that this was a hymn that they either sang or, or recited at many of the, the, the gatherings of the church back then in the early church. And, and, and Paul quoted it in Philippians 2. Uh, he says in, in verse 5, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then he started in with the hymn. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing taking, by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, uh, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus had every right to hold on to his high position, and yet he made himself nothing. He humbled himself all the way to the cross. It's a, the, the perfect picture of humility. Jesus chose to follow his father's will, to submit to God's plan for, for the good of, of others, for you and me. And, and Paul says that in our relationships with one another, we should have the same mindset. So humility can't be just about giving in to everyone else and thinking poorly of ourselves. That's not 
what Jesus did. Jesus uh, was, was humble and yet at the same time uh, God. He was, he was every bit strong and powerful and, and, and all those things. It's not that humility is weak. But I, I think there were a, key, a couple key ingredients that, that Jesus had that we need if we're going to live out humility, godly humility. And the first is self-forgetfulness. Self-forgetfulness. C.S. Lewis uh, put it this way, true humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Many people live as though the world should and does revolve around them, right? And that other people and systems and programs all exist to make me happy and healthy and comfortable and wealthy. And if any one thing gets in the way, if something upsets our lives and routines, then, then, uh, then uh, those folks become bitter and angry and resentful. The truth is that some days things don't go your way, right? Things won't always go your way. Sometimes there are flat tires and spilled milk and bad service at a restaurant and and then throw in a global pandemic into the mix, right? Just kind of throws everything on its head. And, and, and we could complain about that and say that we deserve better and, and uh, why isn't this and why don't that? And humility acts as a filter uh, during those times, saving us from unrealistic expectations. Instead of expecting everything to go my way, we realize that, that it's not always going to go my way and, and that my way isn't necessarily even the most important thing or even the right thing. And so I need to... Deal with life as it comes, trusting in God with an attitude of humility. That's only possible as I forget myself and I submit to God. Proverbs 22, 4, humility is the fear of the Lord. We recognize that he is God and we bow to him. When I say that humility is self-forgetfulness, I'm not saying that your needs and desires aren't important. They're just secondary to God and his will for your life and for the world. The first step in becoming humble is forgetting yourself and remembering God. We need to reflect on, on all that God has allowed us to experience. The life, the relationships, the memories, the lifestyle, the, the successes. All of that is from God. We would do well to dwell not on our own accomplishments, but on God's accomplishments. Not on what we think or what we want, but on what God wants. Humility comes when I remember God and who he is. And I forget about myself. Self-forgetfulness. There's something else there, though. Jesus... Uh, was more than just forgetting about it. There was self-emptying. He was consciously emptying himself of what he thought he, uh, what, what he could have uh, cl- clung to or deserved. Jesus had every reason to be proud. Uh, he was without sin. He was completely holy. And, and yet his testimony uh, throughout the Gospels, just, just a, a few things in the book of John. John 5, 19, the son can do nothing by himself. Uh, John seven sixteen, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. Uh, I do nothing on my own but speak just what the father has taught me. John eight twenty eight. If, if that was Jesus' attitude, how much more does it need to be our attitude? But instead, instead, so many people live so full of ourselves, right? Muhammad Ali was not necessarily known for his humility. I think you'd agree with that. He's credited with saying things like this. Uh, if you even dream of beating me, you better wake up and apologize, he said. He said, bragging is when a person says something and can't do it. I do what I say. He said, I'm the greatest, I said that even before I knew I was, he says. 
And of course he said, it's, humble, it's hard to be humble when you're as great as I am. Some of you are writing those down and say, when somebody asks you what you got from the sermon today, you're going to say. They, they say that Muhammad Ali, one time he was on an airplane and stewardess noticed that he didn't have a seatbelt on and reminded him that he needed to put that on. And, and uh, Muhammad Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she said, Superman don't need no airplane. It is humbling to admit that we're not Superman, right? We want to think that we're in control, but when we begin to realize that we can't do everything, that we're not in control, I think that's right where God wants us to be. If I think I can do it, that I can handle it, then there's no room for God to do things in me. Isaiah 64, 6 says that all of our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. So even when I'm doing my best and I'm, I'm doing my best to do all the right things and to be good, that's still like filthy rags compared to God. As long as we're trying to live life under our own strength, wise in our own eyes, we won't ever live the life that God wants for us. It's only when we empty ourselves of any delusions that, that we can do it and we allow God's spirit to live within us it's only then that we have any power uh, to, to live the holy life, life that God requires of us. Martin Luther put it this way. He said, God created the world out of nothing, and as long as we are nothing, he can make something out of us. Forget yourself. Empty yourself. It's, it's not about you. So as we think about humility and what Proverbs says about humility, I, I guess we have to ask ourselves, how am I doing in the humility department? Uh, if, if, if you sense the Spirit nudging you on this today, the first thing to do is to pray and confess, right? Uh, confess that you've let pride creep in. Ask for the Spirit's help to, uh, to root it out. And, and then I, it goes a step further. It, it, it's not just I pray about it and then everything's great, but, but there's something about character qualities and, uh, and those kinds of things that God uh, works in us. We have to practice, right? It doesn't necessarily just zap us with, uh, with these character traits, uh, but, but he gives us opportunities to practice them. <laughs> it's a little bit like praying for patience, right? You pray for patience, God's going to give you opportunities to practice patience, which means the line's going to be long and the traffic's going to be bad and all those things, and so a lot of people just don't pray for it, right? Well... I think that's what we do with humility too. If, if, uh, if, if I want to develop, if I know I need to develop humility, God's going to give me opportunities to, <laughs> to practice it. Yeah, I was, I was uh, talking and thinking uh, about some of this this week, and it, it's really, and I think I've heard this uh, somewhere, somebody more, uh, more uh, intelligent than me, you're either going to humble yourself or you're going to be humiliated, Right? You're going to be brought down sometime, somewhere. So you might as well go ahead and humble yourself because that's a whole lot less painful, right? Uh, But we need to have these opportunities to practice. So so look for places to bite your tongue or to take a back seat or to let someone else get the credit or don't complain when you're tempted to complain and something didn't go the way you wanted. Uh, Just don't. Encourage someone. I, I don't, the list can go on and on and on. Look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities to practice humility. I hope, and, I, and I'm sure that we are guilty of this even more than we know because we just don't see it. And many times it's a blind spot of, uh, of being wise in our own eyes. 
Instead, we've got to begin to follow the wisdom of God. It's so easy to live as, life, as, as if life is all about us when it's really, it's actually all about him. I love the picture that, that uh, uh, Andrew Murray paints with his words in his little, book, little booklet called Humility. And it's, uh, he's written so many of these things. If you look up Andrew Murray, he lived at the uh, end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, South Africa. Uh, great man of God, uh, wonderful uh, author. And, and uh, if you look up any of these things. But he wrote this little book just called Humility. And in that, he paints this, this picture. And I want us to look at that this morning. He says, As it is in the height and breadth and glory of the sunshine that the smallest speck dancing in its beams is seen. Even so, humility is taking our place in God's presence to be nothing but a speck dancing in the sunlight of his love. That, that's what, it's not about me. It's not about getting the credit. You're just a speck of dust anyway. Sorry to break it to you. We just want to dance in the light of God and his love as humility fills us as we live for him. Let's stand together. Will you bow with me? Father God, what a privilege it is that you have invited us to be in the sunlight of your love. Help us to realize and recognize that that it's not about us, but it's all about you. We just want to do everything we can to point to you. Root out anything in us that, that, that would seek uh, attention or, or uh, would seek to get the, take the limelight away from you. Lord, I pray that as we go from here and others see our lives, that they would see you in us. And that you would flow through us. Father God, we thank you for, for your wisdom and how you show us your wisdom through your word. That It's not just up to us. We don't have to live wise in our own eyes just coming up with this stuff on our own. But that we can live centered on you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus who has paved the way and, and given us a picture of what it means to live a humble, holy life. And I pray that you would allow us and help us to follow his example this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.